Good evening. A warm welcome to the service this evening. Uh, Angus M will lead us in prayer in Gaelic, please. Gadam Mijaranam in Jihorna. As Nigel Tretter Spirit, Goyakamukshnivan Koram, Rari Yamse to Holy Knaive, Hamagus Gamukshin Komasoch, Rari Yanagut on the Spirit, Agus on the Feeding, Agus Akdojokhorner Goyushin, Gamukshin Yantin Nebrier and a Holishin Rala. Agus Kamushnichelekar Anur Wolo Horse, or Al Wolo Agatwin. Agus Shashin Marehuashin Tegeliki and Rain Tronipleonohan, Nether Nachpek Moran Anya Akinoshse, Kayak Grotahurum Hain Garkostoho. Agus Shnikoir to Kruhir. Nada Hashnivakin, no Yasavel, and Kinetan a Chontak Natagi. Agus Shinivakin on the Shin Colin in the Prieran, Evan Halami, Escrivag. Agus Akestoch Koshonva Reedan, Agus Wokran, and the Levanasho, Etanokole Natagi. Akhaja House Kijigin. Gavalusi etanukade Agus Gumdishu Nabrajan Slokshan Hakiri Natagi Or how near Kalanik the Yale Agus how near the Rehen Huyohug Ersio The Vakrago Haniki Yonsi and Hul Hanasho Agus Anisha Ruyuli Hadish er Can hokus us slog a hook boy er to log a hook at the yonsi praetinus. A gus commission your tixin as a last of a chinip yo. A gus maraha shin your tokal or san natagi a gus a chontagar falafoze. Gre ishin in oi as an oritologadash. Can be at Trevi <laughs> 
Ögesen 
Amen. Amen. Let's turn now to God's Word and we'll read from Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and we'll read from verse 1. The words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What does man gain from all his labour at which he toils under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more often than one can say. More things are wearisome, more than one can say. Uh, No eye, the eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear is full of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, Look, this is something new? It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. There is no remembrance of men of old, and even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I devoted myself to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. What a heavy burden God has laid on men. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, are chasing after the wind. What is twisted cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be countered. I thought to myself, look, I have grown and increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also madness and folly. But I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. 
I thought in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is foolish. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My mind still guided me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit and trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired men and women singers and a harem as well, the delights of the heart of man. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all my labor. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Amen. And may God bless that word to us and give us uh, understanding. Let's pray as we come back to God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the assurance of uh, your presence here with us. We thank you that you make your dwelling place amongst your people and that we have that promise that we come to so often uh, that where even a few of us were met together in the name of Jesus Christ, your son, uh, we have the, the promise that you are here in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we pray that we would know the help of the Holy Spirit as we try to understand this this uh, book that's hard to understand. Uh, we ask that you would help us, that you'd lead us, that you'd guide us, that you'd send your light forth and your truth, that you would be our teacher, uh, Lord God. And we ask, Lord, that you would minister to our hearts and that you would uh, that you would touch us in our souls. We pray, Lord, that you would be with each of us and uh, that you would help us and we pray especially for uh, those that we feel burdened for at this time and we ask Lord that you would help them. We pray on for those in hospital, we pray on for Shona and uh, we ask that your hand would be upon her. Uh, she's taken a bit of a dip again today. Uh, we ask Lord that uh, she would not be discouraged and that the family uh, would not be discouraged but that uh, we would look all to you and that we would continue to remember her in prayer. We ask Lord for her her recovery and for uh, your presence to be with her. As we pray on for Amari Latham, as we pray on uh, for Nurse Margaret, Lord, we bring them to you in prayer. We pray for those who are grieving as well, those who are with us who grieve for loved ones lost in past months. And even as we uh, hear news of of, uh, of loss today, we, we pray for those who are grieving. We uh, think of um, Eddie Morrison, uh, DJ and and Mary Catherine's brother. And we ask, Lord, that uh, you would be with him as uh, he and as Liam, his son, uh, mourns the loss of a wife and a daughter-in-law. We pray for that family, Lord, and we ask that they would know your comfort, that they would know uh, your presence and your peace. And we pray for uh, DJ and for Mary Catherine and for Margaret and for all of the family, uh, that uh, you would be with them in a special way and give them strength uh, over these coming days 
Uh, we are so conscious in this world uh, there is so much trouble, there is so much suffering, there is so much that is difficult. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you, you warned us, you uh, told us in advance that in this world we will have trouble. But take heart, uh, you said, for I have overcome the world. And we thank you that Jesus is our saviour. We thank you that he is the one who, who went to the cross to pay the price for our sin. We thank you that he is the one who laid down his life uh, so that we would be able to have everlasting life if we believe in him. And we ask, Lord, that you would grant to us faith, each one of us, that we would be trusting in the Lord Jesus and that we would be given help as we journey through all the different seasons and perplexing paths of life and that we would have that hope which takes us uh, from time uh, into eternity, uh, holding on to trusting in Jesus. So hear our prayers and help us as we come to your word now. And we ask all this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Boys and girls, a few of you here, um, put your hand up if you can do the Rubik's Cube. I'm glad Nikki, Nikki Tour is not here tonight because she can do it in about 35 seconds from what I can remember. But can any of you ever do the Rubik's Cube? I had a Rubik's Cube when I was a wee boy. I, I couldn't, I just couldn't figure it. And there are some things in this world and there are some, some puzzles, some that we have in our hands, you know, and we just, they're just beyond us. Um, some people, they buy a newspaper and once they've gone through the paper and read all the, the stories, they, they're off to the back and they get out their pen and they're, 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 they're going to the Sudoku. It's beyond me. Wordles, the other thing which I think is just a recipe for frustration and ruining the rest of your day. And when it comes to the, the crosswords, uh, the only crossword that I'll go near in the paper is the quick crossword because the cryptic crossword is, is just beyond me. And if I am honest here, we're coming to Ecclesiastes and I've always kind of looked at Ecclesiastes a bit like a cryptic crossword. Uh, it's a, a book that's full of puzzles and it's a book that's full of hard to understand uh, things. And yet it's a book that explores life in this world uh, and life in this world isn't always easy to understand. So with uh, a degree of nervousness, um, we're stepping into this book uh, to explore and to try to, to understand a little more of it, and uh, to ask uh, God to teach us what he would have us know as we uh, take a, a journey through Ecclesiastes. So we're, we're, we're just looking at the introduction really uh, tonight. And uh, where do we begin in terms of the introduction? Well, uh, we begin with the, the writer of this book uh, with a whole lot of questions about life. Questions about life. So we've got four points tonight. Uh, the first point is uh, that we, we read... In the, the opening uh, 11 verses, uh, a series of questions about life that the author uh, brings to us. Uh, and then, having asked all these questions, uh, the teacher, the preacher, uh, he, he begins to look for answers. And the second point is, he looks for answers in study. And uh, then he looks for answers in pleasure. And then he looks for answers uh, in work. So, first of all, questions about life. And we'll just step through the verses. The words, verse 1, of the teacher 
son of David, king in Jerusalem. So question number one is who is the teacher? Who is the author? Who is the one uh, who is writing uh, this? And there is some debate about this, but most of the commentators believe that the, the person teaching, the person preaching, the word Ecclesiastes actually means preacher. Uh, the one who is preaching, the one who is teaching, the one who is writing is, is Solomon. That's the, the general view. Uh, one commentator says, nowhere in this book did the author give his name, but the descriptions he gave of himself and his experiences would indicate that the writer was King Solomon. He called himself son of David and king in Jerusalem, and he claimed to have great wealth and wisdom. And so we're referred to 1 Kings 4, 20 to uh, 34. And then in response to Solomon's humble prayer, uh, God promised him both wealth and wisdom, and he kept his promise, 1 Kings 3, uh, 3 to 15. So you can do your own study, you can come to your own conclusions. But um, I'm fairly settled that the, the writer to this book uh, is, is Solomon. So what does he say in verse 2? Well, he says, meaningless. <coughs> meaningless. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Which isn't the most encouraging start uh, to the book. Uh, the word in the Hebrew is the word hebel, which can be translated as meaningless, as it is in the NIV. It can be translated as vanity, as you'll have it in the, the King James Version. Uh, or it can also be translated as, uh, as mist, uh, or vapor, or breath. Uh, the word in the Hebrew sounds kind of like breath. It's hebel, which almost sounds like you're, you're taking a breath. Uh, Derek Kidner says, A wisp of vapour, a puff of wind, a mere breath, nothing that you can get your hands on, the nearest thing to zero, that is the vanity this book is about. That's the note he begins on. He's asking these questions about life. Uh, his, he kind of gives us uh, his, his summary thoughts to begin with, and he says it's meaningless. It's vanity, it's, it's vapour, it's mist, it's just a breath. And then he goes on to expound that a little more and uh, says in verse 3, what does man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? Generations come, generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full to the place the streams come from the return again. All things are wearisome, he says. More than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear is full of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done, it will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. There is no remembrance of men of old, and even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. It's quite an opening statement, isn't it? I mean, these are, these are deep, uh, big, challenging questions and, uh, and observations about life. And truth be told, it's kind of depressing. Which is probably why I've steered away from it up until now. The first impression is that this is quite a, a depressing uh, path we're being led down. The, the, the writer, the teacher, the preacher, he's saying... What's the point of everything? What's the point of anything? 
Everything, uh, the sun, the, the wind, the water, it seems to be going round in circles. Everything that we see in the physical realm is just going round and round in circles, getting nowhere. James Phillips says the natural world exhibits the spectacle of unceasing activity with no real progress. And you could say we, we kind of see that. We see the tide going out, it comes in again. Some days we see the sun rise and it sets. And we see these streams and these lochs and they fill up and the, the water transfers from this place to that place. It, it rains, the lochs fill up, the, the sun shines, the water goes back up. The, I don't remember the, the, the school stuff too much, but there's the, the water cycle, isn't it? And it just goes round and round and round in circles. Ever circular and no progress. And sometimes uh, we feel like that in our lives even. You wake up, you have your crispies, you put on your work clothes, you, you head out to work, you do a shift, you finish, you eat, uh, you, you sleep, and then you repeat. Day after day after day after day. It's like a, it's like a circle, we're going round in, in circles and the teacher is making that observation and he says, nothing ever changes. Everything's just the, the same, the, the, there's nothing new. And you might say, well there's some things new. I've just got an iPhone 14. I haven't got an iPhone 14, but some of you, you, you might have an iPhone 14 and you might be looking at it saying, it's, it's brand new, look at it, it's got all these features. But it isn't really new, because I'm told that they're pretty close to releasing the date for the iPhone 15. So within a few months, what was so new is dated. We're chasing the next one. Nothing's really new. Then the teacher goes on to say, there's, there's no real point or, or significance in, in our lives. We, you know, we, we do a shift, we, we get on with things, we might have some achievements, but we'll, we'll, we'll just be forgotten in a couple of generations. And I suppose it's kind of true. Think back, if I asked you the question, who's the Prime Minister just now, you'd be able to give the answer. The one before that, probably. The one before that, maybe. Go back to six or seven this isn't a, a huge amount of time. Can we remember their, their names? I don't think so. Can you remember the name? Can you tell me the life story of your great-great-great-grandfather? I can't. And the teacher here is, is saying that's, that's just the way it is. There's no remembrance of, of men of old. It's the way it was and that's the way it's going to be. And so the perspective that the, the teacher is, is giving us is kind of bleak. And the mood, you could say, as he poses us questions and as he steps through and shares these observations with us, it's, it's almost cynical. But the key to understanding why this is his position is found in this phrase that he keeps on using. And it's the phrase, under the sun. And if you were to go through the book and underline every time that phrase is used, you'll find it's, it's used 29 times in just these, these few chapters. That phrase, under the sun. So what does it mean? Well, under the sun essentially means life without God. Under the sun is the, the phrase that the, the, the teacher is using to describe a, a worldview that has no space for God. Like a secular or a humanist or a, an atheistic worldview. All they see is what is under the sun. And if it, that's all we see, and it's quite possible that there might be somebody in the room here tonight... And that's your perspective. You're here sitting in church perhaps. Or you might be watching online. Uh, and, and there's some pressure to, to watch or listen to the services. 
But all you actually see, and your position at present might be that all there is is what's under the sun. It's just this world. And if that is your perspective, if that's all that we see, then we will come to the conclusion very quickly that life is meaningless. And that's what the teacher is trying to point out to us in the, in the opening statement. Life under the sun without God is meaningless. There's a whole lot of things we can a- apply ourselves to. But without God, if all there is is just a short space of time, it's meaningless. And the reality is that there are many people today who woke up uh, feeling just the way that the teacher has described. All they see is what's under the sun. The vast majority of people in Scotland, which is now described as one of the, the darkest countries spiritually in this world, all they see is what's under the sun. They don't know that there is a God who, who put the, the sun in, in its place. They don't know about this God who's, who's over the sun. Think about the children of our country at present. The majority of the children in the UK have gone to a school that tells them that this world was not created. It just banged into existence. And they're just a string of DNA. They don't know that God made them. They don't know that they are created purposefully. They don't know that their lives are not an accident. Because no one's told them. They don't know that God loves them. They don't know that he made them for himself. They don't know that they'll find rest in him. They don't know that God so loved them that he came under the sun into this world to deal with their sin so that they can know him and know the, the experience of peace and joy and purpose. A purpose that uh, chases away the, the meaningless of life, the meaninglessness of life. And if we are Christians, our job is to tell them. Our job is to go out into a world that looks a lot like the bleak opening statement of Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and tell them that life is not just what we see and experience under the sun, but there is a God who's over all things and who loves us, who cares for us, who has made us for himself and who promises that we will know joy and peace and purpose and life when we trust him. And that's where God has taken us as we go through this this book, as he uses Solomon, as he uses the teacher, uh, he takes us down a road uh, that causes us to ask lots of questions about life. But the answer is an answer that leads us to himself. But as we travel down this road, as we go through this book, uh, we're taken down some pretty dark paths and some dead ends to lead us to this truth. So we begin with these questions about life, questions that I think the majority of, of Scotland are asking. And then the teacher begins to explore various answers to the questions about life. And the first uh, answer that the the teacher goes looking for is he's looking for the answer to life in study. So he's scratching his head at the end of verse 11 and saying, it's all meaningless. Where's the answer? Let's head to university. Let's get the books out. Let's start to study. And as we think about this, over the generations and still today, there are many, many people who believe that the the answers to to life, the answers to uh, the problems of this world are found in education, are found in study. 
So we see politicians who are, who've been interviewed and they're asked the questions uh, along the lines of, you know, what's the, what, what's the answer? What are you going to do to address the, uh, the crime levels in the UK? What can we do to make an impact? What can we do to change things? How do we deal with the increase in knife crime in all these cities? And the politicians will come on and they say, well, we really need education. People need to be educated. They need to, to study. They need to, to have their eyes opened uh, to, to address this problem. And that's the solution. But when we think about it, it hasn't worked. Think about drug misuse or alcohol abuse. I remember uh, as a wee boy being in school and the policemen coming along and they, they gave their speech and they told us about alcohol and they told us about drugs. And there was that campaign that was going when I was uh, in my in my early teens, just say no. So we were well educated in the risks and the dangers. We were told what to do, but did it stop people taking drink and drugs? No, it didn't. It didn't really change anything. Or take an even more mundane example, uh, smoking. Uh, we, we now know, beyond any doubt, that smoking uh, causes lung cancer. The, the, the box that you buy when you buy a packet of cigarettes has got a big bold thing on it saying, smoking kills. So we're, we're educated in the dangers, but I don't know how many millions of cigarettes are still sold every day. We're still doing it. And the point is that the answer to life is not found in study. And that's what Solomon says in, in verses 12 to 18. He says, I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I devoted myself to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. What a heavy burden God has laid on men. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless. They're chasing after the wind. What is twisted cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be uh, counted. I thought to myself, look, I have grown and increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled in Jerusalem before. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to under the understanding of wisdom and also madness and folly, but I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind, for with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. And we know that's the truth. This is not to say that people shouldn't study. This is not to say that Anna and Natalie and others shouldn't go off to university. They should. But this is just to highlight that sometimes the more that we know as we study, the less we have answers about life. Go to any philosophy class and they can talk round in circles all day long, day after day after day. Question leads to question leads to question leads to question, but they never get to answers. And that's because the answer to life is not found in what we know in our heads. The answer to life is found in who we know in our hearts. That's where this book is leading. The answer to life is found in knowing Jesus. That's where this book is leading. That's where the teacher is guiding us. That's where we need to go. That's where Scotland needs to know. The answer to life is found in knowing Jesus and knowing him personally and trusting him and having a, a relationship with him. Think about the Apostle Paul. He was a learned man. He was a stunning uh, academic. And yet he said in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So let me ask the question and application. Do you, do you know Jesus? Because that's what you and I were made for. That's where we find meaning. That's the answer to 
uh, the purpose that we are that we are wired to to pursue. It's in knowing Jesus. So do you do you know Jesus? Do I, do we know Jesus? We trust in Him. And in two weeks' time, is it when the communion table is once more set? Will we will we come forward and and profess that we are those who are not ashamed to say that we know Jesus, that our trust is in Him? Lots of questions about life is where the teacher begins. He begins to look for answers in study. And he discovers that the answer is not found in what we know as we apply ourselves in the universities and colleges and schools of the land, but it's found in who we know. The answer is found in knowing Jesus. Two more points, no more time to be continued. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this book uh, which uh, does intimidate us somewhat and uh, we find perplexing. And yet we thank you that even as we have thought about it for a few moments, we can see a reflection of our nation. Uh, We are given a description of what is going on in the mind and the hearts of of many people in this this nation who are lost, uh, who are searching for purpose and who are going round in circles and and can't find that purpose. We thank you, Lord, that you have revealed yourself to us. We thank you that you have made us for yourself, and that we find purpose and peace and joy when we come in faith to Christ. And so we pray for all of us here tonight. Uh, We ask, Lord, uh, that we would be trusting in Jesus. We thank you that when you show us our sin, you are calling us to come to Christ. And we ask that each one of us I would not waste our lives going round in circles, but we ask that we would give our lives over to you, Lord Jesus, uh, the one who loves us, the one uh, who laid down your life to save us, and the one who promises to keep us as we trust in you. And we thank you that when our faith is in Christ, when we have that relationship with Jesus, uh, we can find uh, pleasure and purpose in work, Uh, and in leisure, and in study, and in all of life. But we know that when we look for purpose in these things and turn away from Christ, we, we go round in circles and we come eventually to the conclusion that everything is meaningless. So enable none of us to get stuck on that treadmill this evening, but enable each one of us, we pray, uh, to trust you to give our lives to you and to seek, as the first catechism says, to glorify God and to enjoy him in this world and then forever. And we ask all this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. And now may that grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.